before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. This episode of the Hog Football Podcast is brought to you by Just Play. I'm sure most of you have heard of Just Play, but if you haven't, Just Play is it. It is the absolute best playbook tool out there. My favorite part about the Just Play diagram tool is that I can zoom in and get super detailed with our blocking and protection schemes. I can then save those schemes as favorites to use over and over again. Seriously, coaches, Just Play is a must-have for all head coaches, coordinators, and line coaches. Just Play has a new and exclusive offer for Hog Football Podcast listeners. Get My Just Play Pro for only $99. That's $81 off the normal price. Get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash HogFB. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash HogFB. Don't wait, guys. This offer won't last. Hi, I'm Coach Tony Schiffman, and welcome to the Hog Football Podcast, where we talk all things football and all things offensive line. Today, I have got Coach Chris Hawley with me. Coach Hawley is currently a quarterback coach at East Lake High School. Uh, he spent time at the collegiate level coaching at uh, FAU, Bridgewater College, Wisconsin Lutheran, and Methodist University. Uh, and he spent time in the high school ranks at Indian Rocks Christian, Lakewood High School, Largo High School. He is also the host of an American Football History podcast, and he is my guest today. So, Coach, what's going on? How are you? Doing well. This is about, what, four years in the making? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, we've, we've, been, uh, we've been in communication for quite a while. I think uh, we started when you were at Methodist, because we were both in, in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so it's been Lawrence. So, that, shoot, that was 2014 or 15 then, so it's been a oh. while crap time's flying i know right <laughs> uh but yeah it's a it's a you know first chance actually getting to speak with you uh quote unquote in person uh but but uh you know hoping you're doing well so um you know my first question i've got for you and, uh it's one i ask everybody but uh talk to me about how the offensive line has played a part in the success of uh some of the programs you've been with yeah so um kind of going down the line there at least starting at the college level um you know, a lot of it had to do with scheme for us. So everywhere I've been for the most part, minus two places has run a power pro style offense, right? Mm -hmm. When you install that right away, you kind of get your guys to have a mentality right away that power football is, is power football. You know what right. I mean? Like, like it's downhill. This is the type of it. It's an identity thing. So uh, what that has allowed us to do is despite a lot of the places I've been having less than ideal athleticism at the skill positions, right. it creates success because up front you're doing something that not a lot of people are doing anymore. You know, right. so what ends up allowing for success for the teams that I've been with has been being able to instill that day one from when they come in as a freshman. So when they start playing as a sophomore, junior, senior, they know what to go. They know going in what to expect and what the uh, mentality and what the culture is from an offensive line. Right, and it is such a, it is such a mentality and culture that you got to have, and and you you can't you can't come in. I mean, you you've you've been around the game long enough. You know that those schools that try to change their change it up week by week are the ones that don't have success. It's got to be a, a day one. This is what we do, and 
let's get good at it. And some teams might struggle for a bit, but eventually if they keep at it, they'll get good at it. So. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're at with Eastlake is, um, you know, we kind of, we, uh, week two of last year, we got destroyed by a team. We couldn't do anything offensively. So we kind of moved to this like spread out version of, of a little bit of power, a little bit of zone, a little bit of this and that, Mm -hmm. but we kind of spread it out and had all these options uh, each play. Well, our head coach, because he's an old old school guy, is still like going into this season like, all right, we're going to do all this because it's successful. But day one, we're getting in 21 and running power no matter what. Right. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, that because that's the culture and that's the way that, you know, running that style of offense will take care of everything else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You know, my first question for you and kind of talking about some of your college days, but and this is something, you know, you and I might know what what this entails but some other people listening might what what exactly is a quality control coach because that's that you know you were that at at Florida Atlantic um what exactly explain to the listeners sort of what that is and what your role kind of you know what what you did what was under your umbrella so this was during this was 2008 to 2010 I was doing this right so this was before huddle this was before this was before uh analytics started getting thrown out there um but basically what i did was that type of stuff i would help break down film Mm -hmm. um we'd sit in meetings all of the reports that i would create are what we kind of thought was analytics at the time which it still kind of is you're breaking things down to a very specific um you know, down in distance, whether it's, you know, some people do it differently, but it's like, you could do third and one, uh, you know, third and two to four, or what have you, you know, there's different ways to do it. Um, but basically what I was doing was creating different ways to maximize the information that we got. Right. So I would come up with different ways and new ways to try and do it. You still have the old school ways of, you know, how you put together reports, how you, um, what information a lot of coaches want, because, you know, they've been doing it for so long, but what I tried to do was to create new things, you know, um, what, you know, if a team was in 21 personnel, and this was pretty specific to the film, um, I remember one in particular, we were getting ready to play Nebraska, and uh, we were breaking down uh, Nebraska versus Colorado from the previous year, right? Well, Colorado had a tight end that they would put a tight end, they put him at slot and twins, they would also flex him out in, um, and 21 personnel, so he was by himself. So what I had to do was um, put together all those clips of wherever he was, separate them, and then figure out what the defense was doing to that. So it was like really breaking it down to as super specific as you can. That's kind of the main thing that you do is it's almost like today's analysts are today's are, are really QC today. Right. Um, so that was kind of the main part of the job. I did a lot of stuff with recruiting. I was kind of um, the funnel uh, for any recruits we had basically were they worth looking into or not um which was a lot of fun at that level because man some of the tape you would get was just brutal and you right. had to throw it up right away right um, but yeah so that was kind of the two main things that i did i think that's what a lot of guys end up doing is just helping on that aspect and then um i also ran scout team which was a lot of fun for me i ended up i still kind of run it sometimes i don't know why i enjoy that so much but that was kind of the main things that i did yeah i, I always i always enjoyed running scout team as well sometimes i would kind of um and i'm sure my former players can can back me up on this uh sometimes i would get a little frustrated uh mm-hmm. but uh but it was it was fun because it was i think it was always fun to for us for me especially it was fun when we would hit a play 
you know, when we would, yes. you know, for running, running scout team offense, when we would get, uh, you know, a, a five or six yard play or, or, or even pop a touchdown or something, it was always fun um, for those guys to kind of talk a little bit of trash. And then for those guys to also experience that success that, you know, they might not get to experience on Friday night or Saturday, uh, like they're the quote unquote varsity counterparts. That's what I tell our guys. If you can piss off our DC because he's fiery, fiery. If you can piss him off, then we've had a good day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, do you, you know, kind of going along the same lines with the the quality control? How, I mean, did you feel like that was you were able to to kind of learn as much as you could there? Was that was that, um, or did it just kind of become sort of like Groundhog Day, where you just did the same thing over and over again? I was kind of at a disadvantage in my career because I didn't get to play college ball um, mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. One of them being not very athletic and not very big. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I came at a disadvantage. I started when I was 19 and I, when I started going to FAU, my first thing was like, I have to do it. I have to get in it and, uh, and, and work as hard as I can and figure this out. Cause this is what I want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I got in and I started working for him, I was there, every minute I wasn't in school to the point where I had one semester that I was struggling really bad. And, um, our, our OC, who is our, my mentor goes, I'm not going to allow you to stay at the office if this is what's going to happen. So he made me sit in his office an hour a day and work on school because it was that bad. Like I was that into football and working that hard. Um, because again, I was at a disadvantage and it ended up working out as soon as that happened, when he said that was a real wake up call, when a division one OC tells you like, you need to figure crap out, right? <laughs> you listen pretty quickly. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it was, um, it was something I had to do and I couldn't think of it as groundhog day because if I did, I would have gotten in too much of a routine and I would have gotten complacent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I, I think that's a great lesson for, for a lot of coaches out there. Don't, don't let it, don't let it you know, way too heavy on you. Try, try to get, try to get into, uh, you know, having, have, having a routine is good, but don't, um, don't make everything about routine. Have a little bit of, of, uh, you know, wiggle room there, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, my second question is kind of about your podcast. You know, you, you are also a, a podcaster, uh, an American football history. Um, talk to me sort of about what, what brought that up. And then I'm, I'm curious to what your favorite um time frame for football is like what's your favorite historical you know time period for for the game of football so it started um because about three or four years ago I've, I've always been kind of conservative in how I you know with my career I was always nervous to try and really go after things mm -hmm. so about three or four years ago I um told myself I'm like look I'm gonna do something that is way out of my norm and I'm going to go out there and put it out there and let it fail. Um, because I need to learn how to fail. You know what I mean? Like I need to get myself in position to, um, to get negative negativity essentially. Right. Um, so I can get used to it. Um, and so that was about three years ago. And then with the whole quarantine, I was sitting around and I'm just kind of like, I need to do something. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I kind of went back to this. I was like, look, I need to, um, start this now, or I'm not going to, I need to set goals during this because you're, you know, we're just sitting around doing nothing. Right. So I'm going to set this goal. I'm going to get it done. So I started it and I put it out as many places as I could. Um, Twitter, um, Reddit, I put on all the football ones and I got, um, 
banned from three of the four. Nice. <laughs> for, for, so, so that was part of the, uh, you know, the failure and right. you know, all that stuff. So, um, but I've, uh, I decided to do it for that reason. And I decided now was the best time to do it. Um, and I, I, that's, I decided on this subject cause I majored, I double majored in history and political science in mm-hmm. college. So this was right up my alley. I've always enjoyed it. I like, uh, you know, Bill Belichick talks a lot about football history. So like, I'll just read articles and listen to him on everything just because it's, there's not a lot of people out there that really, um, go back in time to see how, um, how football has been for, you know, hundred something years now. Like for example, um, St. Louis University, the West Coast system and where it came from was St. Louis uh, University in Missouri. It wasn't, you know, Bill Walsh and all this stuff, um, although he kind of perfected it. It goes back to the early 1900s Wow. Um, when the passing game first got started. So I looked a little bit into that, and that's one of the ones I'm going to do coming up is, is that style of offense and how it got started. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of why I started doing it. Um, and it ended up so far has been, you know, way more people than I thought would listen to it. Um, so I, that's why I'm just kind of keeping it going one episode at a time. Um, but, uh, my favorite time period in football history is, has got to be that like late 1800s, early 1900s, because I absolutely love the Harvard Yale rivalry. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I, I just, I, my dream job was always to do anything at Harvard. Um, my family's from the Northeast. Um, they're all big Red Sox fans all go to Boston anyway. So, um, you know, my thing was if I can get up there, that would be the dream job. Right. Um, and, uh, so that, that rivalry, the history of it, the, the stadium still looks like, it, you know, exactly what it did. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, everything about it is just so beautiful to me. Um, but that whole era of that early, that late 1800s, early 1900s is great because you have such a massive change in the game, right? That's when it started getting away from rub, rugby scrums and started getting into, you know, the passing game forward pass starts getting in there, right? The different styles of that. So like St. Louis university was doing short passing games and being successful. Harvard and Yale were playing 500 and you throw the ball up as high as you can and you try to catch it. Right. Um, you know, all the rules that they implemented to try and make the game safer and all the things they did. It's just a really interesting time that that early period of the game in college was just always so interesting to me. That's yeah, that's 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 not where I thought you were going to go. But that I mean, I guess as a <laughs> as a true as a true historian, that would be kind of that would be the logical choice, you know, where, whereas yeah. me, you know, you ask me that if you were to ask me that question, I'd say like, oh, the the 80s and 90s or something like that you know where where i don't i don't i don't it's you know don't get me wrong the the history of the game is so important to the game itself but i just don't see it in the same eyes that you see it in you know yeah but that that's awesome that's uh it's uh it's definitely gonna for for you know football buffs or just history buffs or both, you know, give it a listen because it's, um, it's interesting for sure. There's, there's a lot of, you know, like the thing you said about St. Louis, I would never would have known that, you know, there's a lot of, of things out there in the, in the world of football that people um, think they know, but have no idea. (laughs) So. Yeah. The last one I did was on, uh, on hash marks. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I did 20 minutes on breaking down the, uh, you know, why it's called the gridiron and, and how the hash mark came to be and, 
the evolution of it, which, you know, probably sounds way more nerdy than it needs to, but no, nah, uh, I spent a bunch cool. of time looking into it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Well, coach, uh, last question I've got for you, and this could be a good one for, for the listeners, but um, if you could put together a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen um, from guys you, you coached, guys you played with, or through your experience, guys you were just a fan of throughout the, the history of football, who would be on that five-man offensive line? Okay, so <laughs> growing up, it was uh, the ones that I remember that I really loved. Uh, the number one, without question, is Larry Allen. Okay. He is he is the greatest offensive lineman to play the game, and I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> um, Anthony Munoz um, loved him. Uh, I know he listens, and this is probably going to sound like I'm pandering a little bit, but I absolutely loved uh, watching and playing with Kevin Mawai and Madden. Okay. Um, he was always so good. Um, let's see. I really loved Mark Stepnoski. Yeah. Um, because he was undersized. Um, and uh, hmm. Let me think. Uh, man, I don't really know a fourth one. I'm trying to think of anybody new. Because um, the only one that keeps coming to mind is Nate Newton because he was sloppy and I loved it. <laughs> right. He was. That was. I can remember old, like, um, I don't know if it was Madden would do stuff, but like they would always talk about him eating. I, I remember for some reason, too, now that I think about it, there was Sports Illustrated did an article on him. Um, and he's like sitting on a hilltop with like in yep. like jean shorts eating a bag <laughs> of chips or something. And I, yep, I, 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 I got to see if I can. One. I got to find that picture now and post it on Twitter. <laughs> if I had to pick anybody recent, I'd probably say Joe Thomas. Yeah, Joe Thomas I'd say was. Joe Thomas. Yeah, Joe Thomas is. Uh, he he. We get we get that name a lot. He was. Um, he's one of those guys you can study forever and ever and ever and find new different things and new interesting things. And if you see him now, same same with kind of Nate Newton too. Nate Newton's lost a ton of weight, and Joe Joe Thomas is like jacked up ripped right now like he swims and he bikes and he does all kinds of things so it's it's pretty impressive to see the the body changes some of these guys make he'll go down as one of the most underrated alignment i think that that's played just because he was with the browns Um, yeah you know he's just going to go down as one of those ones that you don't really realize is great until you know way further down the line right definitely definitely all right just to give you a heads up i did find the picture so i'm not sure when this is being aired but I am posting this picture as we speak on, on Twitter. <laughs> so for anybody that sees it, um, it, it, check it out. Yeah. So, all right. Well, coach, real quick, before we go, do me a favor, uh, drop your Twitter handle, let everybody know uh, where they can find the podcast um, and any other information you want these guys to know. Sure. So uh, follow at, uh, it's at real coach Holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. Cause some numb nuts stole coach Holly, which I had for a long time. <laughs> Uh, and then when I came back, I found out it was gone. So it's not nice. real coach Holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. Uh, in American football history, you can find on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, any other, you know, pretty much any platform that you can think of. So give it a listen and follow on Twitter. And if you like it, shoot me a message. If you don't, still shoot me a message. Right. Awesome. <laughs> well, coach, I appreciate that. I appreciate you talking with me. Um it, you know, hopefully we get a season and, and you guys have great success and, uh, you know, hope everybody's staying healthy and staying safe and, uh, you know, looking forward to, to speaking with you again soon. All right. Sounds good, coach. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Thank you.